There's a big opportunity for category creation when a tectonic shift has elevated the importance of a particular role. This was exactly the opportunity we had at Gainsight. The explosion of the SaaS ecosystem propelled the population of customer success managers, who are now essential for driving net dollar retention at most SaaS companies. Today, the advent of LLMs has increased the focus on content, thereby positioning product marketers, the owners of that content, as the strategic drivers of marketing campaigns. Derek Osgood, the CEO and founder of Ignition, believes that product marketing is the new hub of marketing teams. In this episode, we discussed why have so few big marketing tech companies been created in recent years? How has, let me start, that's a question over. Why have so few big marketing tech companies been created in recent years? How has AI changed the way marketing teams operate and therefore also changed the best-in-class marketing tech stack? And what are the new best practices for product marketing teams? You can listen to the conversation or else read the lightly edited transcript. Enjoy! Derek, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, so pumped to chat, Allison. Really, really excited to dig into all this stuff. All right. So to get started, can you give us a sense of why have so few prominent marketing tech companies been built recently? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, like Casey Winters actually has an old old quote where he was talking about how all MarTech is basically actually built for engineers. And yeah, you know, I think that's because like MarTech, you know, mostly has kind of popped up in recent years around the the actual tactical channels that are being used by marketers. And it kind of all is like sitting around the edges of what's going on with marketing. And you know, I think the the thing that's happened is in recent years, channels have actually become much less important, right? Right? Like the tactics that you're using were incredibly important in like the early 2000s and, you know, through kind of like the early portion of the, the 2020, uh, 2010s, because there was this big explosion of channels that happened when the internet came around. And, you know, it used to be like back in the 80s, 90s, everybody was kind of competing on the exact same channels. You had like, you know, TV, you had out of home, you had, you know, a couple of, couple of channels that every company was playing on. And so the thing, the way that you stood out was better positioning, better storytelling, you know, better strategy and like more integrated campaigns and better creative. And then the internet came around and there was all, there were all these channels that popped up and everything fragmented. And just by playing on channels that other people weren't on, you could get really outsized returns on top of the fact that all these channels, because they were fairly new, had a lot of arbitrage opportunities within the actual channels from a technical perspective too. So just knowing how to like target people appropriately on Facebook ads would give you much better returns than your competitors. But all the platforms have consolidated. So now there's only like a couple of inter- like digital platforms that are really worth playing on anymore. All the companies have evolved and now they're all playing on those same platforms again. And on top of that, like even the platforms themselves, like Facebook and Google ads, they have hammered out a lot of those technical arbitrage opportunities. So now it's really important again to focus on the core kind of fundamentals of marketing and stra- the strategic planning, getting the right messaging, positioning, creating, you know, quality creative. And I think none of the MarTech today it, or that has been popping up because it has been historically built around the kind of like tactical edges. It just don't, hasn't solved for that. And so, you know, I think, I think the way that mar- marketers are approaching marketing has shifted back towards the fundamentals and MarTech just hasn't really caught up with that. Um, I also think it's just, you know, like, Marketers have been burned by a lot of MarTech that just is not really built around the way that marketers think, which is they do really think about that strategic planning up front before they start getting into 
the tactical execution. And none of the MarTech that's built, you know, been built in recent years really touches on that. It's a great explanation. It strikes me also that one of the major changes that we've obviously experienced in the last year is the introduction of a new technology platform like AI LLMs. How are LLMs changing the way that marketing teams operate? And what does that mean for the software they should be adopting? Yeah, it's it's funny. I think, um, you know, marketers right now, they're drowning, obviously, in the, the sheer amount of like content that they need to create in order to keep up with all the different tactical executions that they're doing. And so obviously, like the first place that marketing teams have started to adopt AI has really been in content creation. Like, how do we, you know, write this huge volume of copy that we need to create? And I think it's really like evolved to take a, a, a lot of the um, long tail work off of marketing teams plate. So, you know, when you think about the types of content that marketing teams are creating, like oftentimes, you know, there's kind of core strategic assets, like, you know, a landing page or a blog post or a video. Um, and then there's, you know, this much longer tail of stuff around, for example, like search ads, you have to create thousands of variations of the same ad in order to perform effectively there. And so, you know, I think they've been using AI to really like cover that long tail so they can focus much more on kind of the upfront strategic planning um, work and con and the core assets. Um, they've also been like, it's been infusing itself a lot into, you know, data synthesis as well. Like how do you take, you know, large quantities of customer feedback and start to parse that into something that's, you know, a segmentable uh, set of trends and insights that you can use to inform your planning. Um, and so, you know, I think like overall, what this has done is it's taken a lot of the like day to day executional work off of marketing teams plates, and it started to allow them to like kind of tap into more of that shift back towards kind of a much more strategic approach that, you know, I was kind of mentioning in, in that first answer. One of the big complaints I've heard about LLMs is that particularly for business users, it can be hard to figure out how to incorporate LLMs into your workflow. Why is that hard? And how do you think the solution should look? I think it's like a classic like page problem in many cases. Like when people try and do this stuff through ChatGPT, Chat for example, you know, you have to know the right questions to ask and you have to know, you know, like you have to have a really, really clear view of what you're trying to accomplish. And I think, you know, like it, it's funny because I think actually marketers like more so than most other roles are really good at adopting AI through that kind of chat interface because it resembles briefing so much, right? Like it's it's the same briefing exercise that they're following day to day when they're briefing creative agencies, for example. Um, but I think that the problem is really like the AI that exists today, it hasn't been, you know, there, there are some of these like companies that have kind of put a wrapper around, you know, the LLMs and, you know, like there's the Jaspers and the copy.ais of the world that, you know, make it much easier for you to input output and get copy out. But, you know, I think all of these tools are still really struggling with kind of the, the core assets and, you know, like LLMs are still not great at writing content or, you know, and definitely not at writing strategy, but, you know, they're, they're still not great at doing that core kind of foundational work and they're really good for all the long tail short form stuff but you know it's because all of these things are very disconnected from the actual core kind of strategic kernels that marketing teams are working off of their core positioning messaging etc it's really hard for them to actually like create things that are on brand and that are on message you know like they're using this stuff to uh they're trying to weave it into their workflow but you know, it's also easy to forget that, you know, you can use AI, like it's a, it's a behavior shift. You're actually trying to like, you know, go from, oh, I've like, 
have been writing this thing myself for 10 years and now I have to actually like think about, okay, like I'm going to actually have chat GPT write this because it's faster, but you have to like, remember to, you have to have that trigger in your workflow to remind you to actually go use it. I, I catch myself like forgetting to actually use AI tools when they're available to me, just because I have built, you know, 15 years of habit, not using them. <laughs> so there's so much demand for AI. I think if you go into a typical public boardroom nowadays or late stage private company boardroom, companies are very excited to present to their board about all the AI products that they're adopting. At the same time, even though there's all this demand, there's also a lot of concern, particularly among larger companies, about the security risk involved in this, the idea that employees might be sharing confidential data with external LLM providers. What's the way that marketing teams should navigate through the huge budgets that they're potentially being allocated to AI, but then also the concerns from the board and C-level execs? It seems like all the conversations I have, like they're very black and white, right? Like companies are either, they're just like ba outright banning the use of AI within their company because they're, they're so worried about the security concerns or they're just allowing everybody to kind of like go willy-nilly with it. You know, I think you are seeing, obviously the LLMs themselves are starting to release much more kind of enterprise security controls. So like, you know, uh, OpenAI just released their enterprise version of ChatGPT, which does actually gate content from feeding back into the model. And so, you know, like the, I think the LLMs are solving for a lot of this stuff on the back end. And like, you know, we use in, in Ignition, we use a lot of Google Vertex, which is again, like built privacy first. So it like no information is feeding back into the model through the, through the integration that we've got. I would actually argue that the, the security risk is there. The, the bigger risk is actually misinformation. The bigger risk is like the fact that these models still do hallucinate a lot. And then, you know, there's like accuracy problems, which is not really a problem when, you know, you're talking about just like a, you know, generic marketing campaign for, you know, a CPG product. But when you start talking about, for example, like, you know, healthcare companies, you know, they are subject to HIPAA and they're subject to, uh, so you don't want all of your customer data actually to actually appear in that output from the model. You also, they're also subject to a lot more regulatory scrutiny on the actual claims that they're making. And so, you know, AI starts actually become really dangerous for them, not from a security perspective, but from a regulatory perspective and from an accuracy and communication perspective. And so I, I think like companies are, are probably under indexing on that and over indexing on the security concerns because the security stuff is getting taken care of already by the platforms. So we've talked about the inadequacies of the marketing tech stack historically, how not that many great marketing tech companies have been created recently. We've talked about how AI is changing the possibilities for what tools marketers are using. Nowadays, what would you say the best-in-class marketing stack looks like? And also, obviously, you're building a marketing tech company, Ignition. So it'd be great to kind of understand how you think Ignition should fit into that stack. Ultimately, it's it's almost impossible to answer this question like succinctly because marketing's become such a sub-segmented discipline now. It's like, you know, you actually have like 15 different teams within one marketing team. Um, and there's so much tactical MarTech used across each of those different sub-teams. The real like best-in-class MarTech stack is like 40 tools. But when I think about like the core bits and pieces to that, you know, I like obviously Ignition, I, I view as like you know, the, the core platform for all things internal. So it's like where you're doing your research, you're getting collecting your customer and competitive intel from all these different resources um, across your organization that we're integrated into. You're doing your core kind of strategic planning. So you're taking the handoffs from the product team 
turning that into a go-to-market planning motion, communicating that across the rest of the organization. You're creating all of your content from your core strategic plans. And so we take your positioning, we'll generate, you know, we'll use AI to generate the content that feeds your campaigns. And then you're using us for your enablement and digital asset management. So we become the central repository for all marketing plans, knowledge, content that is really easy to push outwards to the rest of the organization. But then, you know, I think like once you start talking about, you know, how do you start translating that into customer facing execution? I think there's some great tools popping up today. So I actually just talked to, um, I think you're, you're friends with uh, Anthony Kameda, um, you know, from, from Gainsight. Uh, he's building a, a platform called, called Audience Plus. I think it's an absolutely killer platform when it comes to managing your kind of own media communication and how you're actually like translating that content that's created, you know, for example, an ignition into a blog, into a blog and into, you know, then customer facing communications around that blog and, and the content that you've created. I think, uh, you know, when you're talking about like CRMs, customer communications, Intercom and HubSpot tend to be kind of the, the standard stack. I really like Segment as, you know, a kind of a, a central CDP to manage all the customer facing information um, and create a central source of truth for your specific customer data that can feed all these different platforms and create a much more unified experience and view. Um, and then there's a ton of like tactical tools for the actual channel management itself. Uh, oftentimes, you know, like I think teams kind of over index on channel management tools for their ad platforms, for example, you know, like oftentimes I've seen the best marketing teams, they get the best performance, they're just working straight out of the ad platforms themselves. So you know, they're not actually using any of these additional MarTech tools to sit on top of it. But yeah, I think I think like typically, you know, you have a CDP, you have some kind of analytics tooling, you have some internal planning tooling, some content creation tooling, which is mostly ignition. And then, you know, a couple of platforms for marketing automation that's customer facing. And between those, you're pretty covered. Given what you said about the number of tools that best-in-class marketing teams tend to need to use, and, you know, my own sort of prior thoughts on how lean marketing teams tend to be, like, relative to their impact, do you have a rough sense of what percentage of a marketing team's total budget should be spent on headcount versus tooling? I mean, I think marketing teams probably spend too much on headcount and too little on tooling. You know, like it, it, despite the fact that there is this huge landscape of MarTech and marketing does actually buy, you know, a pretty significant amount of tooling. I've been a part of many marketing teams and I've talked to many marketing teams and, you know, because of the breadth of tools that are out there, a lot of them like don't even have good perspective on what is even possible for them to automate, you know, because there's so many things that you can do. And, you know, it's hard to keep actually keep on top of the landscape of what's possible. But, you know, I think like automation can solve for a lot of these things. And, you know, especially like as we start talking about AI and like content creation, for example, it's like marketers and I, I'm guilty of this too. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a marketing snob with my, with my content. And so, you know, like I don't love to use AI for a lot of my use cases, but I should actually use it more because it is capable of creating pretty good content. And yeah, I think a lot of marketing teams are still going through that mindset shift of like, look, maybe we don't need to be spending, you know, a million dollars on a creative agency over the course of this year, we could actually be allocating that budget towards some tooling that can solve for maybe not all of it, but it can solve for, you know, 60 70% of that. And then you know, our creative budget with the agency can drop significantly. So Teams should be spending more. I don't actually have a good perspective on on the actual percentage of you know how this is breaking out right now, but there's probably a little over allocation towards headcount, a little under allocation towards tools today. It's interesting what you said about reallocating budget from agencies toward AI or 
tooling. Do you think that AI affects primarily that part of the budget? So if you were to look at like a marketing team, how it spends money or how it did spend money maybe six months ago, and then how it might spend money six months from now, is it that like they're shifting the budget from agencies to AI? When you talk about the the creative component of it, absolutely. Like I think that's kind of like primarily where the budget is coming from. You know, you're talking about content creation budgets, which are moving from like freelancers and agencies towards internal tools. I think when you start talking about the like research budgets and you know, like how you're actually using AI to synthesize data, that gets a little fuzzier. And like oftentimes it's an incremental spend as opposed to shifting spend from, you know, existing tools or or headcount. And, you know, I think that incremental spend though it ends up basically making all of those other teams that are currently operating in the marketing team dramatically more effective. And so, you know, it's like typically worthwhile for those companies. But yeah, I think like when you talk about the content creation component, like that's mostly coming out of agency budgets. Very interesting. So let's say that you've got your best in class marketing stack, all the things we've talked about, you're using AI, you're using Ignition specifically. What's then possible in terms of what the highest standard for product marketing looks like? Product marketing, you know, when done well, it actually looks very different. I mean, most companies don't do product marketing well. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think like product marketing, um, when done well, it actually looks far more strategic than most companies make it. And it really resembles much more of a, a kind of GM role. Um, and, you know, it looks like kind of the product manager of the marketing team. It actually owns PL for its product lines. It's driving all the, the internal planning. It's also, you know, you're using a much more integrated campaign planning motion and product marketing is really kind of sitting at the center of that. And I think, you know, most companies, they kind of pigeonhole product marketing into kind of a content creation function where it's just writing all the decks and like creating all the stuff that feeds the campaigns. And then, you know, like it's kind of sitting around the fringes acting as an enablement function, trying to plug gaps, which ends up resulting in like, you know, very disconnected tactical execution and, you know, cross-functional teams or cross-marketing, just kind of like pulling in a bunch of different directions with no real like central source of truth, no real central um, orchestration layer. I've seen, you know, like the the product marketing teams that I was a part of at like PlayStation, for example, and you're starting to see this with Airbnb, you know, reorging their product management team into product marketing companies are starting to realize how important it is to actually have this role like sit at the center of marketing and have all of their teams not necessarily report to it, but at least, you know, drive kind of planning decisions through that team and have it act as kind of an approver to be able to ensure fidelity of messaging positioning, but then also the how the campaigns are getting orchestrated and turning into kind of a much more cohesive integrated motion. So, you know, it's much more of like a budget owner, I think, that it sits today in a lot of companies. A lot of follow-up questions on this. This is very interesting, particularly because it reminds me of the ways in which we tried to elevate the customer success manager role at Gainsight. Actually, I think there might be a similar analogy in that we were saying, you know, CSMs are almost like a general manager for the customer, helping to orchestrate the customer journey and enabling other functions to participate seamlessly kind of as an orchestra working together along that journey. So it's fun hearing this, a similar concept in a related but different space. So let's say you're a product marketer. I think you believe that your job is to orchestrate strong campaigns. And that's kind of like the central component of your work. What does a great campaign look like? For one thing, it's like fully integrated campaign planning. So, you know, I think like where a lot of marketing teams, you know, get this wrong today is they've kind of created all these vertical teams around specific like 
channels and buckets of tactical activity. And so you have growth teams that are working on kind of product stuff. You have content teams that are working on content and own media. And then you have like social and paid teams that are working on you know, paid social. But none of those teams really like coordinate effectively together, right? And so you have like kind of tactics happening over here, tactics happening over here. So like real good campaign planning, you're actually thinking about like, how is the paid media contributing to capture through the owned media, which is then contributing to capture down the funnel in your actual onboarding funnels. And so you're actually thinking about this whole buyer journey end to end, which, you know, you, it's, it's just organizationally impossible to do when there is no kind of central planning team for the for these campaigns so one it's fully integrated like that and you're thinking about how these channels interact as opposed to how these channels operate in a silo and then also they're much more like multi-channel you're using all of the different channels available to you across paid or known to drive that full buyer journey and they're much more re well researched also so like you know i think a lot of a lot of marketing teams they'll oftentimes launch a campaign that's just kind of like off gut feel and they'll create some hypotheses and they want to test it but they don't actually ground it in any actual like customer research or competitive research. And they're really just kind of like doing a thing because they had an idea instead of actually being strategic about it and creating a hypothesis based on some real like deeply rooted insight. And they're also just inconsistent on creative execution. So, you know, great campaigns, they feel like the exact same campaign everywhere all at once. And so it's like you're seeing consistent creative, consistent messaging. There's a thematic that maybe draws over a much longer period of time. So you may be doing like a quarterly thematic where you're running a campaign that everything that you do kind of rolls up to that strategic narrative. And companies right now, they're, they're, they're just so focused on running around getting specific tactics just done and like ticking boxes that those cohesive campaigns just have kind of fallen by the wayside. So let's say you're, you know, mastering these best practices for campaigns you're doing well as a product manager. What does your career path potentially look like? Frankly, I, th I think it's like the fastest path to a CMO. You know, I, I think like you're seeing many, many more CMOs come up through product marketing backgrounds than, you know, it used to be like, I think, you know, if, if you looked at the 2010s, most CMOs were coming up through like growth marketing because that was kind of like the hot concept at the time. Again, like you could, where you could get outsized returns as a marketing team were from tactical execution, being like really having a good handle on like where the arbitrage opportunities are within each all these different channels. And you know, I think now because of that shift back towards the fundamentals and because companies are realizing like how much you just need somebody who has broad based understanding of how all the different marketing components fit together, um, you're seeing many, many more folks come up through product marketing into CMO roles. Given this centrality of product marketing to the marketing team and like the fact that you think it's maybe the best path to becoming CMO, do you think that it's so pivotal that actually your first marketing hire as a founder should be a product marketing person, or do you think it kind of depends? 100%. I think the tricky thing is that like it is tough to find product marketers who actually fit the early stage startup profile because it is a strategic role. And, you know, like obviously early stage startups, you are in a mode where like you can't be that strict. I mean, you're, you're trying to be as strategic as you can, but there are a lot of things that you just got to get done. And like, you know, a lot of that is understanding of those channels and it is a lot more of the tactical execution. So you need to find product marketers who actually understand growth and like can fit into, they can, they can pinch hit enough on the growth side of the house to be able to, you know, survive that like early, early, early portion of the startup's life cycle. But I do think that like product marketers should 
always be your first hire, partly because they're able to, I actually have, I have a whole blog post on this. They're the ones with the most broad-based experience at cross marketing. So they can cover a lot more ground than what, you know, most specialized marketers that you're going to hire are able to do. They also are going to help you solve for a lot of that foundational stuff around positioning messaging that really unlocks all of your early product market fit. So we're coming to the end of our episode, Derek, which I'm uh, a little sad about because I feel like we've covered a lot of ground and probably like could keep talking for a while. But in closing, what's one final tip that you would have for marketing teams? Obviously, I've kind of been touching on this quite a bit via this talk, but I, I think it's, you know, quit thinking about things like so tactically and, you know, like start to level up and like think actually much more strategically and in aggregate around how your marketing campaigns are working instead of thinking about like, what is the checklist of things that you need to get done in, you know, this day, week, month, quarter, and instead really like think about how what you're doing is interacting with the other people across the marketing team's activities. Um, you know, like having that that cross, it's not cross-functional, but like cross-marketing view is really how you end up driving true results. And, you know, like teams need to just get better at that. Be more strategic, less tactical. Thanks, Derek, so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. 